All right. Hello there, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we are going to be talking about the full moon in Aquarius 3. And I have with me today a very special guest, Miss Shu Yap from Down Under. How are you doing, Shu? I'm good. Thank you, Spencer. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm surviving the, the Sun-Jupiter opposition today and all of the expansive energy. <laughs> and, uh, oh, life is so hard. I'm beating the heat today. But, um, and, and your heart pumping from all that basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been, I've been playing basketball with my daughter, and uh, she is running me ragged out there. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited to have you back on the on the show here today. Uh, I always appreciate your your wisdom and got some really good responses to your appearance when we did the monthly together. So really, really happy that you're here back with us. Um, and for those of the new people watching, um, first of all, for those of you watching, please uh, let us know that you're here, where you're coming from in the chat box. It's always nice to see your faces there and to, to see where you're coming from and whatnot. Um, and uh, for those of the in our audience that may not be familiar with you or your work, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, Shu? Sure. I'm an astrologer and I'm from Victoria in Central, in Australia, Central Victoria. Um, I am a traditional astrologer predominantly, although I like to kind of mix things up a little bit. And I'm really into, I guess, integrating everything that I do in my life with the astrology, which includes a lot of agricultural stuff, um, my growing stuff, art, um, beekeeping, tinkering, making my little tinctures and things like that. So, yeah, I like to sort of have this a bit of an animistic, hermetic approach to my work and I teach and write and consult Nice. from, yeah, my little abode. <laughs> and you're uh, sort of off the grid for the most part um, as well? I'm completely off the grid. So <laughs> and we have had absolutely no sun for the last couple of months so we've Wonderful. really been living in the dark <laughs> so yeah but um, I, I love your story Shu. you 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 have the most amazing <laughs> stories about being out in that bush country there and like the animals that come by and visit your house and are in your compost and things like that yeah. so. <laughs> I see more animals than I do people, so that tells you a little bit about my life. <laughs> yeah, living the, the hermetic dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally, I just ended up here actually, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, and in fact, um, I've decided to kind of do something really strange this week on this Uranus um, stationing, and mm. I've booked a weekend away to take the kids to the beach after this. <laughs> which is like our first holiday in about 10 years. And I was thinking, why don't I go on holidays? And I thought, you know, my life is a holiday. Like people come here for a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be nice That's to go awesome. on holiday. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit more difficult to get a little holiday or vacation here uh, with, you know, pandemic and things like that. Yeah. So I, I definitely get seeing the water as a healing experience and being able to be near near the the ocean and whatnot so uh, that sounds like a really fun trip i'm excited for all of you yeah just pack the fishing rods and off we go <laughs> yeah well before we yeah. dive into the full moon in aquarius the second full moon uh, a blue moon if you will 
Um, Shu, you've got some really exciting things coming up, and I wanted to highlight that before we really dive in um, to make sure that we we speak of it as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you've got going on in the hopper here. Well, I've got a four-week solar return course coming up, so one night a week, so one hour and a week plus a Q&A for four weeks where we'll be going through um, the ins and outs of interpreting solar return charts. And this includes, this is really influenced by um, my uh, exploration of Lee Lehman's work and the Abu Masha translation that Ben Dykes recently did. So it includes looking at not just solar return charts on its own. Or is yes, it the green, that's the one. Is this the, the green one? one. The green one. Okay, I've got the that green, one over there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we're both book nerds, um, Spencer and I. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's where all our money goes to let's it's face true. it you know <laughs> it's very true <laughs> I'm a book um, yeah <laughs> um so yeah um it's not just about looking at charts um on its own solar return charts we're looking at charts consecutively and over the lifetime to look for patterns as well as doing lots of comparison with the natal chart and bringing in the annual perfections with it um so it's quite comprehensive it's chock it's chockers like the four weeks, but there'll be lots of um, things for you to consider and practice. And um, my key kind of um, essence around this course is to really help people study their own solar return charts because the way I'm teaching it and some of the techniques that I'm doing, you can't really get astrologers to do because it's just too time consuming, like studying your solar return chart over the lifetime. Right. Um, and that's so illuminating. Uh, it involves some spreadsheet work, you know, which I'm always scares me, but, you know, you do it once and you've got it for, a map for your life, you know, laid out in front of you, which is really um, great. So um, you get a lot more depth there than you can get just from a, a, a normal solar return reading. So, yeah, so that's starting on the 1st of September. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, and, and recently... Uh, I decided to partner with Radiant Astrology to help promote Shu's talk because I believe in her work. Uh, so you can find a link to um, this talk in the chat box along with the code SPENCER20 for $20 off until the full moon. So use that code, you get $20 off, sign up for Shu's talk and benefit. So <laughs> I'm excited. That sounds like a really amazing course. Um, I really love Ben Dyke's work and his translation. So that's an awesome resource with with Abu Mishar and whatnot. Um, and, and if I could give my own shameless plug uh, for a minute before we dive in, uh, I will also be offering a webinar in the beginning of September on the Deccans of Virgo. So if you were um, if you attended my Deccans talk for Nightlight Astrology, I went over kind of a longer, more general Deccans talk. And what I've decided to do is a monthly webinar that goes over the three specific Deccans for each sign each month. And it's gonna be a, a two hour, probably a little bit more. I, I was reminded by a, a friend that I talked to that I'm probably gonna go over. So that's just what I do. <laughs> but we're gonna, we're gonna take a few hours and we're gonna dive into the Deccans of Virgo and we're gonna talk about tarot. We're going to talk about fixed stars. We're going to talk about diamonds. We're going to just do a huge deep dive into the sign Virgo. So that's on September 4th at 11 a.m. It's a Saturday. 
And you can find a link to that in the description of this video, or I can put it in the chat box, or maybe my lovely assistant, Tanya in the house could do that for me as well. <laughs> like, um, I'm looking at the chat box here and I'm seeing some nice folks stopping by. Jody is here. Hello, Jody. Jody is as a, a tutoring student I have who is very, very sharp and is doing really great work learning <coughs> astrology. Um, they are saying hi from Florida. Tanya is here from inside the house. Uh, Lynette O'Kane is here from rural Colorado. Hello, Lynette. Tracy Corbin is stopping by from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, saying that, that they were at your webinar yesterday and signed up for the oh. Solar Return class. So oh, there you go. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. And Jody is saying that they would love to live off the grid as well as many of us, I think, would. It's not an easy life, but it, it's, it's not an easy life. <laughs> I'm sure it's a neat one, though. Um, just wait till you have to use the outside toilet, you know, then you may reconsider some things, right? <laughs> it's no, wait, till you, wait till you have to clean out the outside toilet. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No. And, and, and Tadi says that my webinar will unquestionably be more than two hours. <laughs> Don't, it's, it's true. I, I, I try to, I always try to give uh, extended value and it's sometimes it's hard for me to, to stop when I get on a roll, but um, Shu's got about an hour today, so we'll try to get it, it, it this talk in as, as uh, efficiently as we can with uh, these planets in Virgo that we have today. So what do you say we dive in, Shu? Anything else we need to cover before we look at this lunation? Uh, I don't think so. Um, right. I think that, that's pretty comprehensive. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so here we go. We can see the chart on the screen here. And we are looking at the full moon, which is happening on August the 22nd, 2021, 8.01 a.m. Eastern time. Make the, the adjustment for your time zone and or country or day. <laughs> is it the same day for you, Shu? Um, for us, oh, I didn't put the date on my chart. It is, I'll get it in a minute. You keep sure. going. Yeah, so this will be a Sunday in the States. I think we have a 14-hour time difference between me and Shu in Australia. Oops. Yes, it is. Hang on, my computer's playing up. So uh, yes, it will be Sunday as well. Okay, cool. So we've got August the 22nd. The, the sun is going to be just in Leo uh, right before it's going to ingress into Virgo. And we've got an opposition with the moon at the 29th degree here, the, I guess you could call it the 30th degree of Aquarius, um, co-present with both Jupiter and a retrograde Saturn, uh, Jupiter being retrograde as well. We are seeing a Venus-Saturn trine that we'll talk about and a Mars-Uranus trine that I think we will touch on as well. Any initial thoughts about this full moon shoe, the second full the, moon? Yeah, well, the initial thought is that this is the third lunation in a row where we've had a very strong engagement with Uranus. And it really has been a really naughty boy, I think. Uranus has been a cheeky little mischievous yeah. little kid causing trouble, I think, um, good and bad. And so I, I really feel it that people are starting to really 
be at the breaking point. I know it is here because we keep we've been had unexpected spikes in the COVID um, rates, in and out of lockdown. People are really feeling it, getting fatigued and getting to breaking point. And I think the three lunations in a row with Uranus, you know, squaring it has really been the culprit here. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I've been I've been feeling that Uranian energy. This is very very close to my midheaven my my midheaven's at 13 degrees taurus so my public life has been uh shaken up in 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 a good way not not necessarily in a bad way um so you know i i'm (laughs) trying to figure out all these new ways of doing things and really having to kind of uh you know understand what is required of me in the new um i don't know the new cycle of life that we're kind of uh kind of trying to figure out here you know and Mm. with that trying to um with that trying to mars i think it's really it's about efficiency number one um i think that there is you know trying to figure out what skills you need to like to utilize the uranian energy in the taurus area of your life I also think that the second decan of Taurus, you know, is, is really, it's associated with this card, the six of pentacles, that is really about your daily routines and your consistency and habits. And, and I would say I've noticed that my daily routine has been super shaken up uh, recently, mm-hmm. and that has um, been quite uh it's been a blessing but also it's been like disorientating i think that's what i would say uranus really does is it disorientates you sometimes through success though and i think that's the key here is i would say that i've been doing a lot of public things lately and making a lot of decisions about moving forward and moving on from the past Mm -hmm. and embracing a new type of experience um yeah but again Uranus can be the shocks of a, a new positive situation too. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to be shaken up a little bit to be able to see things in a different way. And I think, yeah, it's this, it, it plays out on the nervous system a lot, Uranus. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly evident to me that people are just, yeah, going a bit, it's like everyone's had a bit of an electric shock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very much so. And, you know, the COVID, COVID thing is still present. You know, it's still part of the, the conversation. Um, I think that what I've been feeling lately, and maybe you can confirm or, or deny this, but I've been, I, I have a lot of patience as a Taurus moon, and I can, like, endure quite a bit of things. Um, and over the course of the pandemic, you know, 17, 18 months, I've just kind of tried to take it in stride. And I think lately I've been Really, like, I'm ready to just get on with my life. <laughs> I'm ready to, like, just, I'm ready for it to be over. I want to be able to uh, have stability and certainty again uh, and know that if I'm working towards something that I won't have to, like, pivot, you know, because yeah. of, like, COVID. But I don't think that's available to us right now, unfortunately. Um, I no. think that, that we've been, as a family, we've been trying to deal with being very earthy people in what is rapidly being shown to us to be a very airy new 
age or experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, the technocratic revolution. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Is your um, moon close to Aquarius at the moment or has it passed or is it approaching? Uh, as far as progressed or? Oh, did you, did you say you had a natal moon? Yeah, my natal moon's in Taurus, right on uh, Uranus. Right, right, on. right on it, right, wow, okay. Yeah, my, my natal moon's at 15 degrees Taurus, so I'm getting my- Oh my um, goodness. My Uranus is, or my moon's getting, yeah. you know, totally- You must content. be peaking right now. <laughs> a lot of changes, a lot of changes. And yeah. like I said, not all bad changes, just a lot of like life, life stages that are that were crystallized that now are being shaken up um i i i will say that i feel very fortunate and blessed to have some really amazing helpers recently um i, I had my astrology teacher on the show not too long ago chutabhava and like just people like him have been like helping me to to transition into being a professional astrologer and I think that it's it's kind of go for it o'clock. I, I wanted to celebrate with all of you here today. We did pass a thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel here, and that is it, yeah. It's it's not it's not like a huge super big deal, but it's a nice measurable thing where there's some additional features that we can eventually incorporate into the the YouTube channel. Like there's some some monetization features that become available. There's this thing called super chat that, that eventually they will allow you to like make a donation within the live stream chat. Um, I don't know if that's actually active today, but um, there's various other things. Uh, and it gives me a community tab where I can share things uh, like in a, a feed and a stream, tell you more about upcoming stuff. Um, but that was kind of a cool milestone because at the beginning of the year, I made that one of the goals that I had to pass a thousand subscribers. And wow. You know, I was only at like two or 300 at the beginning of the year. Wow. So, and you've worked so hard. I mean, it takes so much effort to put on just one of these shows. And how many How many do you do in a month? You do about three I do or four or three, Yeah, about three live streams. And then I try to do a, another video or two in between there. And at the beginning of the year, I was doing three or four videos a week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sustain that pace. Um, and then still do clients and, you know, be a parent and all yeah. that. It was just impossible. But, 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 it, you know, the lesson is, is that to, to create success in your life, consistency is very important. And sometimes you do have to make a little bit of a sprint in the beginning to establish something. Um, but I haven't done it alone though. So I, I wanted to acknowledge that, that there's definitely been helpers along the way that have given me opportunities and you know my family and tanya have been really supportive and like you and i have established a really good friendship i think uh in the last few months and i really appreciate just being able to talk to you <laughs> like yeah. she and i are like ships passing in the night like she's just waking <laughs> up and i'm about to go to bed like we talk and you know in the messenger here so but yeah, it's, it's it's been really lovely yeah yeah, yeah. and I, th I think that that's actually something that a theme that i think is really baked into this lunation too because you know, we're seeing this moon in the third decan of Aquarius, where we really are being asked to like, move on, you know what I'm saying? There's this, these two decans, I'll show you the cards here. We've got the seven of swords and the uh, seven of wands, the seven of swords being the third decan of Aquarius, and the seven of wands being the third decan of Leo. And really, the, the, the key with this to me 
from just my research with Austin's work and various things is it's kind of the question of staying versus going, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, third deck in um, Leo, which is my rising sign actually is about defending territory. It's a Mars world deck in, and it's really the saying, I'm going to, I've established my position. Now I have to fight off all the haters. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, where Aquarius is a lot different. This third decan is more about like, I've, I've done everything that I can do. Now I need to like gracefully exit and untie the karmic bonds that are keeping me in a place. So I'm So curious. what was that decan ruled by? The third decan of Aquarius? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That, so we've got the moon and Venus ruling the third decan of Aquarius. Okay. So this Rah. lunar change, right? You know, where mm, we're really it's trying very to- very feminine. Definitely, very, very mm. yin. Whereas I think that the, uh, the opposite decan of Leo is very young. You know, it's very like mm. active, fighting things off, you know, like, like saying, here I am, I've established my sovereignty. You know, I'm defending the throne basically, or your right to be. And, yeah. you know, one story that came up and I don't, did we, we may have talked about this last time, but this, I just, this story is just so perfect for this decan was that that American gymnast, Simone Biles, who was able to, um, who had to withdraw from many of her events in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And she's a Pisces son. So this Jupiter was, was, was hosting her son and she, she gained honor and merit for withdrawing. And I, mm -hmm. I, I really just feel, and maybe you can you know, see if there's anything like this in your life too, where is there a question of, how do we tie up loose ends to move forward, you know, mm. to really move into a new level of understanding? Yeah, and it being right at the end of the sign as well on that 29 degrees, you know, it shows that there is a, a closure or an ending that's that this lunation symbolizes in, in, in a way, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that with, with closure, leaving something behind, I think taking wisdom with you, and, and, you know, because in this Seven of Swords card, he's carrying Seven Swords, but there's two that have been left behind. And it's kind of this looking back and saying, did I learn everything that I needed to learn? Have I, did I forget anything? Like, maybe even this, like, sneaking away into the night type of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so I think that that's going to be really a big theme. Um, with, you know, COVID still present in the States, one of the questions we've been having as a family is, going back to school in person or not. And we've had a lot of conversations about staying in the school that we're at for the final year of high school or, you know, leaving and like doing virtual school or something like that. You know, it's, it's been a real like, you know, intense conversation about what would be the safest, you know, thing to do. Um, but I think that those, those things will be coming to a head as we move forward as well. And I think that, you know, and you'll have to see, I would be real curious to hear your thoughts on how you're coping with these things. But a lot of the questions that we've been having are around how do we stay present when things are changing so much every day, really, you know, like mm. that, that air consciousness, right? Let me think about that. What, how, do we, how do we stay, you know, focused and present? Well, one of my um, thoughts has been to try and work with this uncertainty. So in Australia, we've been in and out of lockdown. Like we went from one day of zero cases to then 29 cases the next day and they implemented a lockdown straight away. So it's so disruptive. I feel like teachers 
school teachers have really been through the ringer with this, you know, yeah. having to build up the kids and then, well, I've got little kids, so I can only speak yeah. from that level, build them up emotionally to get used to something and then, you know, then there's a week lockdown and then they come back and they're back to square one, they're all ready. Um, and I kind of had a thought, well, why don't we just work with this um, uncertainty by say saying every one week of the month we have a planned homeschooling week. And so if there is an outbreak, it doesn't take much to kind of extend that week or, or start that week early. And, and in this way, we're kind of working with this uncertainty a little bit and making it a bit easier for, you know, parents and teachers, for example. So that's just one little thing I thought of, of trying to work with that Uranus energy. I like that. I like the, your, your preparation, you know, and I, and I think that the key that I'm hearing in your solution is flexibility you know yeah or our yeah. flexibility energy is really being tested as far as like are we able to pivot and shift at a moment's notice and uh, yeah and one of my favorite basketball players his name is Giannis Adedekumbo I don't know if you're familiar with him but mm -hmm. he had a really interesting quote recently during the uh, NBA finals here where he was talking about the past the present and the future and he said if I'm basing my energy on the past and what I did in the past, that's my, that's my ego. And if I do that uh, moving forward, I'm going to, you know, if I uh, base my present on the accomplishments I had, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck in the present. And if I base things on the future, that's my pride because I say, well, I deserve this because this is what happened in the past. And he says, my point of humility is in that present moment. That's really the mm -hmm. surrender to the present moment and being able to react to the, the information, the facts, the circumstances that you have in that moment, and sometimes day to day. And mm -hmm. you know, without losing sight of the goal, I think this is really another tension with this full moon is Leo seems very much a present moment type of energy, whereas Aquarius mm -hmm. is a little bit more of that like, you know, let's take the 30,000 foot helicopter future oriented view potentially, although, you know, maybe, I don't know if you have a different uh, outlook on that or not. Well, yeah, no, I, I do think that Aquarian energy is very much you know, too far forward and hence the anxiety. But yeah. I was also thinking with Uranus in Taurus, you know, that it's, it's like a lesson in detachment mm. um, because in that sign of Taurus, we want to attach to everything, you know, it's the, yeah. They're so material and tactile and it's, you know, the sign of the Buddha, you know, so it's it's all the idea of how to be practice non-attachment, how do we live in that present? And, yeah, that quote from that basketball player, I mean, that just gave me chills up my spine, how incredibly wise and um, thoughtful for, for a basketball he's, he's player. An amazing, <laughs> he's an amazing person. I'm reading a, a biography of him right now. It's called Giannis. Oh, cool. And he was a, a Nigerian immigrant to Greece and oh, then wow. came to the States with his family when he got drafted. And just a super humble person who grew up on the streets of Athens um, selling trinkets to be able to support his family. Uh, oh, you know, so he, he didn't grow up in like the affluent, you know, spoiled American basketball system. He grew up just kind of like dirt, dirt poor and it just really makes for a really interesting perspective that he has. He's a super hard worker, a very humble person. He's a, a very Jupiterian figure as well. He's a Sagittarius son. 
Um, I think he has an Aquarius moon too. They call him the Greek freak. So oh, right. <laughs> I think that, that fits really well. Um, oh, I love a good underdog story. <laughs> oh man, it's it's yeah. really neat. And and he uh, he recently won the championship here in, in uh, the small small ish town of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a very small market. And he signed a, a contract with them after having a lot of overtures from these big cities and these big markets. And he rejected all that because of his loyalty to this small town that had, you know, embraced him as one of his own, where he basically grew up from an 18 year old kid to the 26, 27 year old man that he is now. So it's a really inspiring story. And, and I'm sure that there will be eventually a time when the, the, sh the, sh the sheen is, you know, is, is dulled a little bit, but he's still on that like, upward trajectory where he can still be the hero yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense um, before we get disillusioned exactly we get it, <laughs> it always happens it always happens but i'm just enjoying this part of the, of his journey but but, I, but like you said though he's he he's giving us some insight into you know the way that he became a successful person and really that was about being living in the moment and not you know counting his successes and, and resting on his laurels and continuing to like work hard, even though he is a multi-millionaire NBA champion person. Now he still is maintaining that type of, I think, humility. And mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, I, it really fits this lunation theme, you know, of that sun in Leo, moon in Aquarius next to Jupiter. Yeah. You know the the superstar that's extremely magnanimous and benevolent and humble in a way. Um, right. You know, it's, and that Aquarius underdog kind of you know fight for the the ones in exile. You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so, shoot, so, tell tell me a little bit more. What do you think about the Venus Saturn trine that we have here present in this chart? Ah, the Venus Saturn trine, right. So, well, I can tell you what I'm going to be doing. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm actually going to be planting out my orchard, which is, uh, I thought, well, that's so Venus trine Saturn because it's this great combination of, like, beauty and form coming together or balance and proportion, um, you know, just integrating something of creativity, of fertility for a long-term um, gain in a way mm -hmm. so that's why I thought oh wow um, planning out my orchard or there's something tangible about this aspect so you know any artists or sculptors out there I think this is going to be a really great aspect for creating something beautiful uh, and sometimes with practical um, outcomes as well from it so yeah, and from a relationship perspective, though, because we can't we can't sort of ignore that Venus rules relationships so much. You know, it's a really great opportunity, I think, to be talking about the long term. You know, serious commitments or um, conversations about structure or equality or balance within the relationship, or the idea of work lifestyle balance. You know, is is something that's very Venus trying Saturn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's a really dignified Venus now too. We have multiple planets in their own domiciles, at least for a period of time, with the Sun being in its own domicile of Leo, Mercury being doubly dignified in Virgo with its exaltation and domicile, and then mm -hmm. Venus here in Libra as well as well as Saturn in Aquarius. Mm, so it's, this, 
All it's an kinds. incredibly strong chat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, I think that w- one of the things that I really, you know, when I look at planets that are dignified like this, I feel like what we're seeing is pure expressions of these planets, mm-hmm. sometimes for better mm-hmm. or for worse. You know, I think that in, mm-hmm. in the case of Mercury and, and Venus, definitely for better, although there could be some argument about Mercury and, and its ambiguity. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think Saturn, you know, in its own domicile can, can be, it can accentuate the good parts of Saturn, but it can also make the, the challenging parts of Saturn really strong, you know, like. Yes, yeah, right? like my Saturn talisman. <laughs> yeah, tell us more about that. I'm curious. Tell me that story. <laughs> Well, let me just say that it's something that I should really only wear when I'm by myself because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really make me that sort of very strict, uncompromising type. But you know, I, I feel it makes other people around me very harsh. Yeah. Um, and I, well, maybe I just notice that more in other people when I have it on. Um, but but it's really great when I want to sit down and deep study something or just do something on my own. Like yeah. whether it's painting or studying, you know, it's really great for that, you know, or when I'm just working, because I'm building a house right now, so when I'm working on the house, you know, I usually put that on and, you know, just plug away at my work. Uh, but, yeah, funny story that I had it on one day and out of the blue an old uh, builder calls me, some builder being associated with satin, asking for some CBD oil for a, 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 a elbow that he just injured. And <laughs> I'm like, well, cannabis is a satin plant. And I'm, in fact, I yeah. use that to make my tinctures. And he, like, you know, hurt his joints, which is ruled by right. satin. Um, and he was a builder. And the fact that he just randomly called me on that day for, for it, you know. And yeah. it wasn't because I had the CBD oil. I just knew someone that could get it. So... You know, it was like, what are the chances? <laughs> you're, you're the Saturn facilitator now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But coming back to your point about yeah. planets being in dignity, um, from a horary perspective, um, we often view these dignified planets as um, having lots of honour um, and honesty, like trustworthy kind of stakeholders if you yeah. if you um, assess what houses that they rule. So I feel that this time is that we can probably, um, there, there's a lot of integrity, I guess, out there. That's what I'm trying to say with all these planets in domicile. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, mm. I, I think that this is a good time to make a good, you know, I don't know, to tie up the loose ends before you really make that leap. You know, I'm really feeling that right now. Um, One other thing I wanted to point out and get your thoughts on uh, is we've got a really cool kind of, uh, you know, Hellenistic technique thing here with the heliacal, um, I believe we've got the heliacal setting of Mars. Mm -hmm. Mm, And, uh, you know, you and I have really talked about synodic cycles and and really trying to incorporate that into our practice what what kind of um things can you point people towards with this uh this heliacal setting of mars right okay before i go into that i must say your um screenwriting skills have really improved Um, (laughs) (laughs) you clearly see that's an arrow Um, (laughs) it's still a little funky (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but yeah, that helical evening set of Mars is actually happening around the same time as the helical rise, evening rise of Mercury. So, but just to break, so it's like passing a baton. Mm. Um, but just for the Mars perspective, it feels like a very weary soldier returning after a long battle. You mm. know that there could be exhaustion, feeling of being lethargic or declining levels of motivation, which may lead to feeling a bit more cranky or being short-tempered and, you know, all these sort of shadow traits of bars coming out, you know, when you haven't had enough sleep and you just get tired and cranky at people around you. So that could sort of be happening with Mars setting. Um, And because it's next to that Mercury gaining strength and this mind starting to wake up and being really active, it could just be that the mind is making the body really fatigued um, because they're kind of swapping the baton. Like Mars is saying, oh, my God, like just, you know, just shut up. You know? <laughs> and Mercury's like, oh, let's let's go and plan this and let's right. do that. So, um, yeah. So, and the last time that Mercury made this helical, uh, no, sorry, Mars made this setting was around July 2019. Mm. Um and I do remember that time as being really an intense time, but I think this was happening more with that, um, you know, Saturn-Pluto, you know, just after it's made that opposition to Saturn-Pluto in Capricorn. Um, but it, it is kind of this, this idea of um, maybe surrendering, or like, like it comes back to this Seven of Wands, I guess, like learning how to surrender, surrender the ego or maybe giving up on that real drive for individuation and wanting to prove yourself in order to, I guess, be more efficient or preserve oneself being in that sign of Virgo. Like we're just we're just dropping the ego and going, okay, what's the best solution? The best solution is that I just rest, maybe not you try know, and prove myself. There was a phrase that came up when you were describing all of that. And I don't know if you have this phrase in Australia or not, but um, writing checks that your ass can't cash. <laughs> like, like, oh, right, yes. So I feel like our brain, Mercury, is has all these ideas and Mars is like, okay, I'm trying to take action on these, but I'm so tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So what you were describing here, for those at home, uh, if you're not familiar with the Mercury phase that we're going through, is Mercury was separating from the sun by 15 degrees, making its what is called its evening rise. There's a difference between the evening rise and the heliacal rise or the heliacal setting because in a nutshell, Mercury and Venus are what are called inferior planets and they make two conjunctions with the sun within their cycle. They're never more than two signs away from the sun. Whereas the superior planets, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter, make a complete circle around the zodiac and only conjoin with the sun once per cycle rather than two okay so or twice so we've we're seeing mercury emerging from under the beams earlier this week i believe that was on monday and i had some really important conversations on monday with my daughter's school i i released my deccan webinar like i was like saying okay hey i'm I'm going to do this. This is an important message. So I was receiving messages and giving it while Mercury was on that point of phosphorus is what they we call that, right? An omen that will speak a little bit louder maybe than something else or things becoming visible. So Mercury things are becoming visible and Mars things are kind of slowing down, 
going mm-hmm. under the beams, becoming invisible. Um, I believe that there's like a medieval saying where it's talking about like exactly what you were saying about the weary soldier, like someone taking to their sickbed. And mm-hmm. we're going to get Mars being um, renewed in the furnace of the sun at the Gazimi moment, which I believe is in the beginning of October, the 8th. Am I right on that? I think it's the 8th of October. Yeah, because I think it's on the 18th that it makes the morning the right. morning rise or something. Yeah, yeah it's October rise. sometime. Yeah, and that's when we'll see a more powerful Mars emerge. Although I'm not sure what sign will it be in Libra. Libra. Libra so it'll yeah. be interesting to see. Oh, like that that doesn't look good. <laughs> well, we've got the Kazemi at Libra, but I do think Mars is going to be emerging in Scorpio. So <laughs> Oh, okay, great. Well, that's much better. <laughs> yeah, so I think that'll be a little bit better. But this this whole Mars cycle may be a little funky because the Kazemi is happening in its exile. Um, so that is something to watch out for, especially in the Libra area of your chart. So wherever the, the Libra house falls in your chart, we're going to have a conjunction between the sun and Mars on the 8th of October. And, mm-hmm. you know, the last Kazemi that we had was like September 2nd, 2019. So if you can think back, that was in Virgo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Mars usually has about a two-year cycle here. So we're going to be starting a whole new whole new synodic cycle for mars so yeah buckle, buckle and, up. yeah and to me mars is about that individuation thing like wanting to really make your own mark and prove yourself and doing it on your own and at all yeah. costs um so it kind of needs to rest now to be able to like start this new cycle and and again like if we if we look at now where virgo is in your chart this is that area where you'll experience this phenomenon of having to maybe surrender something that's more ego-based in in place of, of um, something that may be better for, um, you know, a more efficient outcome, which is that Mercury taking over. Yes, totally. So, um, yeah, and that really can, works with the trine with Uranus, with trying new, new systems for resource evaluation and things like that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And it's also a really innovative signature too, I think, you know, that Uranus, especially Uranus-Mercury making that trine, you know. Um, I'm just thinking there's a local example here of uh, a biodigester plant that is, you know, being built locally and all the locals that are living in the, you know, surrounding areas are jumping up and down and protesting against that. Mm. Um, But you know, this is where that innovation is is being shown here as an alternative energy source. Um, but yet there's that Mars, you know, kicking it, kicking its heels in and saying, no, we don't want this. Um, so, yeah, I just thought of that example and I thought that's very Mercury-Mars trine, that Uranus. Totally, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, I, I, the phrase, another phrase was coming out. I'm, I'm like a platitude machine tonight. But the, 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 I think it's uh, work uh, smarter, not harder, you know, mm, because yes. Mars, Sorry. Mars, yeah, Mars is losing steam. But if you, you know, Mercury is really dignified as far as efficiency goes. So try to find new ways to do something that may have, you know, where you may have had to use muscle in the past. Try to use uh, 
ingenuity, flexibility, intellect to, to do the same task in half the amount mm -hmm. of time and to conserve your energy because you might not have the, the wherewithal to <laughs> keep grinding right. away, right? That's yeah. right, yeah. And getting the right advice um, because I, I do find that with that helical evening rise of Mercury, um, it's kind of like the symbol of like the teacher arrives or uh, a sermon is de delivered or a philosopher is born or something like that where there's new insights or uh, um, uh, wisdom in some kind of way that is realised or understood, you know, as that point happens, as Mercury makes its helical rise. Um, so, yeah, there's this idea that that evening rises more to me like that wisdom and understanding very much more of a yin expression of mercury whereas when it rises in the morning it seems to be more like needing to get a, a message out there like being overtly expressive about something so um yeah you know mercury virgots extremely strong and empowered um and i think we where the virgo house is we can really all experience some deep understanding or teaching around the matters of that house yeah and you bring up a really interesting point about the the yin experience of the evening star mercury i, I actually think that fits very well with mercury and virgo too you know mm. because we're seeing this kind of um you know i like to think of the difference between gemini mercury and, and virgo mercury as gemini mercury wants to expand and explore like, I think mm -hmm. always Mercury is exploring, but we're doing it to proliferate op options in Gemini while we are trying to potentially reduce them in, in Virgo. And mm -hmm. one of the things that mm -hmm. I think is a, a misconception with Virgo is everybody is like, oh, it's so critical. And we're always looking for flaws and things like that. But I really do think one of the keys to Virgo is being able to identify things of value and being able to pass them on for the future, like legacy is something that I, I plan mm. on talking about quite a bit in depth in the, the Deccan webinar, <laughs> shameless <laughs> plug again, but. And but, the teacher has arrived. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but definitely that is something that has been, that's helped me understand my chart, having three planets in Virgo, is it's not just about finding flaws, it's about finding something that is worth preserving against yeah. the ravages of time and yes. I, i've also had to learn not to get attached to form you know I, mm -hmm. I think that essence and form is something that really comes up in the virgo pisces axis where we're trying to preserve maybe an essence by preserving a form and, that, and that's really not that doesn't always work super well mm -hmm. <laughs> okay know? interesting right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I see Mercury in Gemini and Virgo as Mercury, Hermes being, you know, a, above um, the under, you know, in the out, outward world, and Hermes being in the underworld as being in Virgo. You know, because it's the feminine expression. It has a little bit more depth and um, consideration for things that are a little bit, I guess, left of field or you know, not outwardly valued um, yeah so totally yeah i could see that yeah um so, and i was actually born on a mercury helical evening rise myself so maybe i'm a bit nice that's why you're so smart <laughs> <laughs> what, what what sign is it making its rise in capricorn nice so yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> in the first decade? No, in the last decade. So what's the last? last yeah, what's the last okay, decade? So, so that's all about administrating uh, power. So it's mm. really about, and I, I always, you know, in in my readings and my videos, I like to say that the chart offers both the challenge and the solution. And to me, Mercury, you know, has us questioning that part of our life. So, you, you know, you and I actually have exact opposite Mercuries. So my Mercury is in the third decan of, of Cancer. So that last decan of, of um, Capricorn is really about, it's a sun-ruled decan. So it's about like a solar version of Saturn type stuff. So it's wow. like, how can you take, um, how can you accept authority and be able to manage the systems, like the bureaucratic systems of your life when you're like given a bunch of difficult responsibilities? Because a lot of times that third deck in Capricorn person, there's just stuff that's foisted onto them and they have to mm -hmm. learn, okay, I've got to manage this because Saturn binds us to things. Mm -hmm. And with Mercury there, I, can, I would guess that that, and you can tell me because you live it, but but there's questions about like, well, how do I manage my life? How do I organize the systems of my life? And how do I, um, you know, be a um, somebody who is providing service for the people that I'm leading? There's leadership questions. They call that deck in the throne. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, and you are doing that within your family and within your uh, homestead, right? Yeah, well, I guess I'm the primary carer and a primary person here. So, yeah, a lot of burdens and responsibilities fall down on me. But, yeah, this idea of fitting in and integrating systems, like I feel like I don't always make the systems. I always kind of try and fit in with everyone's schedules right. and everyone's, right. you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you're the Definitely administrator. Better. You're the administrator. You, you don't make the systems. You're the one that has to, like, make sure it runs yeah. efficiently you're the ceo right or the, <laughs> or the cfo or i don't know whatever um, well the sucker with the <laughs> <job>. <laughs> oh man yeah. fun yeah um yeah it's uh you know i'm sure running a an off the grid you know this estate i guess you could call it or or, or homestead uh, it really takes a lot of organization and planning and, and whatnot. So I, I, that's really, I'm really, um, I admire that, that life and that lifestyle and your resilience with all of that. So <laughs> very cool. Just please keep, keep telling me your stories <laughs> as we move forward. You know, the biggest system I have to deal with is actually the weather. Yeah. Because yeah. that's huge. I Like in terms of knowing what to cook with, whether I cook with fire or the electricity today, um, you know, and what time I cook. <laughs> like, yeah. well, you know, before I got my battery vacuum cleaner, it was like, oh, quick, get home because i got to vacuum the, the house now because it's sunny, you know. So it was yeah. just always trying to fit in with something. Yeah. Very, very mm. much so. So we've got a couple comments in the chat and then we can kind of move forward uh, and talk a little I Ching real quick. I know that you're, um, we are, our time together is rapidly coming to a close, so we'll be as efficient as we can with this. Um, Amy is asking, what if my Mercury and Virgo uh, are conjunct in the fifth? So, so you have Mercury in Virgo in the fifth house. I can touch on that briefly. Mercury and the sun conjunct in Virgo. Okay. Um, 
And then we have another question from Jody about the first decade of Capricorn. So I will I will touch on this briefly if you if that's okay with you, Shu. I don't want to answer too many personal chart questions. One one thing I would suggest is that if you do want me to spend hours on your chart, which I will, I promise, I prepare very thoroughly. You can reach out and schedule a reading with me or send me an email if you have a, a really quick question. I'd be happy to ask that or to answer that for you. Um, just very briefly, if you have a, a Virgo Mercury Sun conjunction in the fifth house, there's probably some things going on with, you know, how you take pleasure in life, like your legacy with children and things of that nature um, and your creativity uh, topics that have to do with some of those things that support the foundation of your life could be very, very strong. And you could find a lot of identity through that, through either your creative process, your, your children, um, the skills that you have that will allow you to express that creativity and things of that nature. Um, do you have anything to add with that, Shu, with, with that placement? Oh, no, I think you did that well. And okay. I, I just wanted to add that, you know, you know, when when um, Spencer prepares, like he would, be, he would be looking at whether Mercury's before the sun or after the sun, how close it is to the sun. And that all has a huge um, influence over the interpretation. So you really need to kind of dissect that in a more thorough manner. Yeah. Um, yeah, in a chart reading or something like that. Yeah, there's so many factors that that both Shu and I would look at at a reading. You know, she's absolutely 100% correct that, you know, it, it is difficult to like take a piece out of that without seeing it in the context of the chart and the context of the question as well. One of the things mm -hmm. that I do when I read a chart is I have people send me three focus questions. Say what what is really important to you because the chart can really say multiple different things. This is something that Shu and I have talked about with horary. The, the chart can answer many different things. Even in a natal chart, it can, it can represent different people in your life. It can represent different situations. Um, so it really is important to kind of say, what are we looking for? What is our focal point and how can we get the whole, the whole picture? And as far as Jody's question, first decade of Capricorn, just real quickly, if you look at the card, the two of pentacles, you'll see a figure juggling. And that decan's really about trying to figure out the benefits, the pros and the cons of, of a physical place to be able to put down roots and to build your life. So there is a lot of energy around um, deciding whether a location is best for you with that. So I've seen a lot of people with cap risings in the first decan that is really, you know, sort of more like, you know, where should I live? You know, this, this advantage is over here, this over here. And there's a lot of back and forth juggling a lot of responsibilities as well. So I hope mm -hmm. that's helpful for you, Jody. Uh, Donna Funkhauser is here and says, here's a true story. This is my solar return chart. Well, happy birthday to you, Donna, wow. for, for the my. Sunday solar return chart. <laughs> you get, Amazing. You're getting extra benefit today because we're talking about your year ahead, Donna. And some of the themes that you might be uh, experiencing. And tell us more, Shu. What what kind of things would she look for in a solar return chart that you would be teaching right. in your webinar? Yeah. Well, um, firstly, I'm not sure if the houses are completely right. I, I usually use natal houses with a quadrant house system. Um, but look for what's going to be angular because those planets will be really loud this year. Um, and you also want to look at the relationship, the aspects of the sun and the moon and the ascendant ruler 
and the aspects that they're making because they will sort of paint that picture for you for, for the big themes of the year. But just generally speaking, like what we've spoken about, like to summarise this whole chart, you know, it really is around um, like I just think anyone born in this week will be a real wisdom keeper or truth seeker, that kind of thing, because of that mercury helical rise that's trying to Uranus, like some really innovative thinker. So maybe this year will be really peppered with lots of new insights for you or a, a big sort of learning curve or that you're going to be discovering new things that really open up your world, uh, opening up your worldview or possibly changing your philosophical orientation around things. So, um, but lots of integrity in this chart, lots of power, um, and, yeah, just check what houses that they all fall in and, and just stick to the angular planets for the, for the moment um, as the key signatures. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and I think, um, Donna, if I could add something, you know, this is going to be a year about balancing two very distinct parts of your life with a full moon, right? And, and it may not necessarily mean that you have to completely resolve this opposition between all these things. It may just mean that you're going to have to kind of learn to, to juggle both the Leo area of your life, wherever that falls in your chart, and the Aquarius area of your life, where something is coming to fruition. Full moons are really about flowering and fruiting. So we're going to be seeing something coming to fruition. And, and I have a feeling for everybody here today, that this is really about a flowering of a situation that you are going to have to leave the past behind. I, I really feel that that's really important, mm. that you're going to have to tie up some loose ends this year to, to move forward uh, on your journey so that you can become the next version of yourself. This is like what Uranus is saying. What, what form are you going to take next? And here's your mm. opportunity to like, you know, move forward. Um, Jackie Fox is here. Hello, Jackie. Nice to see you. Laura is asking us, does having the planet in the Deccan ruled by the same planet make that planet stronger, i.e. the sun in the third Deccan of Gemini ruled by the sun? Yes. Good question. Excellent. Yeah, very good question, Laura. And the answer I would say would be yes, that the, the Deccanic dignity or having a planet in its own face was said to be like, uh... Oh man, a special skill, I guess, is yes. how Austin Kopic would describe it. Um, where, so for example, I have the moon in its own Deccan in Taurus. <laughs> and I don't know if I can repeat the story that, that Austin told me. I don't know if I've told you that story, Shu, but I talked to him in a, you know, I'm kind of name dropping here, but I talked to him in a, a hotel lobby at UAC. And I was like, what does this mean for me? I was like picking his brain, which you shouldn't do in astrologer. But he basically, like, said that my superpower was you know like the pg version of was slow lovemaking and i was like um <laughs> but he didn't say lovemaking and his point was rhythmic <laughs> consistency okay <laughs> so, uh, we'll like, have to get tenure in the house to confirm this <laughs> Oh man, we're definitely got some Sun Jupiter energy today. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, goodness. no comment. But Tanya could could confirm or deny that. But uh, uh, but I think that yes, you will have some kind of superpower that is related to the Deccan itself. 
So like in Laura's case, I'm, I'm going to assume that she has the sun and the third decan of Gemini. Um, there is probably an ability to uh, make a tough choice, make a tough decision. Gemini, third decan Gemini is about um, making a sacrifice so that something else can live. So you're breathing life into something while simultaneously returning something to the earth. That was the, the story of Castor and Pollux, where one twin had to die and give up part of his immortality to the other so that he could spend time together on Olympus and vice versa. Um, so <laughs> the, the, the yeah. other um, uh, characteristic of a, a face dignity in general as well is the fact that, yes, it's that special skill, but you, you know that you're only there because you can do something and there's a lot of anxiety around that. And it's through that anxiety that you try harder. Yeah. And that's that feeling of the face dignity. It's one of the, the considered the minor, most minor dignities. Um, and, and it's minor because of that. It's only they're hanging on by a fingernail and you're so worried about it that you re try really hard at something. And that's why you do well. Yeah. So, yeah. Tanya says this is getting too spicy for YouTube. <laughs> well, I specifically listed it as not being for kids, Tanya. So we're all adults here. This is like like live stream late night. <laughs> like, it's like it's like nine o'clock here where I'm at. But for Shu, I guess you know, don't let the kids watch this one, Shu. <laughs> Oh, well, you might get more subscribers. <laughs> we'll see. We're, we're a little punchy today. Um, okay, so the final thing I have to say about the full moon, and then let's, uh, do you have a few more minutes to talk uh, I Ching with yeah, me? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yep, go for final it. thing I'll say about this lunation is Austin Coppett calls that Deccan the knot. So we're really trying to untie karmic binds that are keeping us in an old situation. And the daimon that's associated with the moon in this decan is, is called Osiris, which was a throwback to one of the Egyptian gods, Osiris. And the story that it really is, um, I think, important with Osiris is that Osiris was murdered by his brother, Set. He was jealous of his relationship with, uh, with Isis or something of that nature, cut him up into pieces and spread him all over the countryside. And Isis went around and had her attendants collect up all the pieces of Osiris to put them back together temporarily so that they could do their second Deccan moon superpower together. You know, the slow <laughs> rhythmic lovemaking and then like create the new god Horus. Okay, so they come together briefly to create something new and then but that integrity could not hold osiris did not come back together to live again he then went into the underworld to become the lord of the underworld so there may be something that you have to revisit especially with jupiter being retrograde that <laughs> sorry ty's making funny comments in the chat um, there may be something retrograding that you have to go and revisit to tie up a loose end so that you can move forward and give birth to something new that's really i think that's really important here is that there will be a little bit of looking over the shoulder type of experience here but it, it, will, be, it will be temporary don't get stuck in the past way of doing things review what you've done so that you can learn something from that so you don't make the same mistakes in the future too i think that's 
that's another thing here is, you know, a lot of the times when we are moving forward into a new level of existence, we need to leave those old narratives and those old stories and those old mental patterns behind. The and ego. I, we the need ego. to leave the ego yeah. behind. Yeah. Totally. It's that, and that's yeah. that humility of being in the present, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it really just release. And if we don't do that, if we try to hang on, that's when we start committing the greatest atrocities. Humanity it creates the, the worst manifestations of themselves when they're trying to hang on to old forms that are no longer applicable to a situation. Does that make sense? I've seen it in my own life. When I'm trying to hang on to things that were have outlived their usefulness and form, I, there's nothing but suffering that comes from it. You know, So <clears throat> learn what you need to learn. Take with you what you needed to learn from the experience and then release and trust and have faith that something that, that what new that wants to be born will support you or will be a new manifestation of your energy in the current moment. And that does take a leap of faith. And there, there is kind of some associations with this third deck in Aquarius and the fool card in the tarot, which is that figure that's leaping off of the cliff into the unknown. You know, is mm-hmm. it to... Uh, you know, some kind of beautiful thing, or is it leaping to his death? Who knows? But you got to take the leap of faith. Mm. And I think with Jupiter there, it's going to hold your hand to help you to take that leap of faith. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree You're with you. You're supported in doing that. Mm. Yes, you will. Be, you will even gain honor and merit by leaving the past behind. You know, by taking that action, you've got the greater benefic benefiting you on that journey. So. That's something to, to feel a, a sense of peace around, that that benefic is really helping out in this letting go process and moving into the next cycle. All right, Shu, um, I'm going to do two seconds on the, the last quarter, and then we'll go on to the other thing. On, is that cool? Are we yeah, good? that's um, fine. All right. Yeah. On the 30th of August, uh, we are seeing the last quarter moon, and I'm going to touch on this real briefly. Um, And here what we're seeing is the sun has moved into Virgo, passed over the fixed star Regulus, which we did not touch on, but is interesting. Nonetheless, look up Regulus to see what will be coming up shortly after the full moon. And on the 30th here, we've got a square between the moon and Gemini, first deck in Gemini, and the sun in Virgo. So that first deck of Gemini is really about feeling a paralysis by too many options. And a last quarter moon talks about needing to let go of things. This is a time of release. So my advice on this would be for you to move forward into the new phase of your life, the new skillful phase of your life, you are going to have to eliminate some of the options. And it's okay. We can't do everything in this you know, lifetime. And if you want to be really good at something like, like this Virgo sun desires to be, this skillful apprentice, you can't spread your energy too thin in too many directions. So that's really my main vibe on this one. And we've got Mercury moving into Libra, which is going to change the energy surrounding Mercury and, and bring our thoughts more towards that equilibrium, maybe that more artistic mindset or social mindset, um, which social graces, I think, are, are something that I think about with Mercury and Libra and stuff like that too. But um, Yeah, and- even just more balance, a more balanced yeah. mindset. But, you know, I think, yes, the, 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 the key is to turn away and to, 
to let go, but it's going to be challenging with that moon next to Rahu, the, the yeah. North Node, especially in Gemini. It's going to want to do everything, get into everything, yes. but there might be so maybe a bit anxiety producing that that last move where you internalise all this data and information and try and make sense of it and try and integrate it all and process it. So that's going to be, I think, a bit challenging and yeah. unnerving. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, those are two Mercury-ruled signs, so our brains are going to be barking at us quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But just take your time. Uh, try to weigh the advantages and disadvantages of your pathway and then eventually make a choice. Um, because like, again, if you want to be able to do something well, you're going to have to focus, you know, yeah, which, which will be hard for Mercury and Libra to make that choice, but it'll be hopefully yeah. wanting balance. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. that's what we've got for the last quarter. <clears throat> we'll talk more about the new moon in Virgo. Uh, when we get closer to that period of time, I'll do another live stream on that. Um, but that should be another thing where you're, you know, being able to put some of these skills into action. All right, Shu, let's finish this up. We'll talk about uh, the, the I Ching reading that we did here that we like to do to give people, um, you know, kind of some insight and, and, and an animal that is giving uh, its significations to us. I pulled the horse. Do you have any experience with horses where you live? Uh, no, apart from the fact I'm always shoveling their poo because I collect <laughs> horse poo for com- compost. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Are horses big in Australia? Is it a, is it a, an animal that is prevalent around you? Oh, in the country, yeah. But you know, there's horse people, horsey people. You know, they're like a yeah. different breed of people. I don't <laughs> sure. know. It's like you know, it's normal people and horsey people. The horsey people are really into their horses and dedicate their whole lives to you know because it's a dedication. They live for thirty odd years. You know, it's a commitment. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do Do you have animals at your property? I just have the bees at the moment. The bees, um, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we used to adjust, but we because I, I do a lot of tree planting, I, I want to establish all the trees first before I get nice. all the animals in. Yeah. Very so. cool. Okay, <laughs> so, so just some things to think about with the horse that's going to lead us into this I Ching reading. You know, the horse can represent loyalty, friendship, trust, working together because we have this symbiotic relationship between a horse and its rider. We have the horse being able to surrender on some level to be able to do the hard work and to carry a heavy burden as far as a domesticated horse is concerned. We also have themes of being part of a herd. And when horses are in the wild, they are herd animals. So, you know, this this to me is about valuing your relationships, uh, learning to have stamina and not burning yourself out. Horses can run for very long distances without getting tired. you know, being of service to your to your rider was something that I wrote down um, as you're embarking on this new journey. It doesn't necessarily have to be just all about you. You know, we're, we are seeing this like ability to work together, like like, you know, I've been partnering up with Shu to help promote her stuff. And like, you know, we, we've been working together with things. I've found a lot more success on my channel by having guest speakers and and promoting other people's things like it's when you are generous with your time and your attention everybody can benefit from that it doesn't have to be this like you were talking about this ego type of thing because we're all kind of in this together the astrology community is a small community and i think when when one of us succeeds we, we all succeed and we can help lift each other up you know and i really appreciate that about this lunation and, and feeling that um mm. 
we have the hexagram number seven. And number seven, I sent this. Have you been using the I Ching lately? And any <laughs> insights with it? Oh, <laughs> uh, I haven't started. I've just been too busy. But um, I'm waiting for you to get the course so we can study together. Oh, that's together. right. See, that's right. I've I've made an agreement with uh, Shu that I'm going to purchase Benabel Wen's course on the I Ching, and we're going to study it together and be yeah. accountability partners. So, but. But I have started the painting because I decided I was going to do a painting of the Lady of the Ninth Heaven to work nice. in the teaching. So I'll be working on that this weekend when I, I'm going to take that to the beach. <laughs> nice. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of your beach, your beach extravaganza here. I miss. I miss. The <laughs> oh, I haven't been to one in ten years. Jealous. <laughs> and it's yeah. the middle of winter, so. Oh no! <laughs> it's going to be cold. <laughs> oh well. All right, so we're looking at hexagram number seven. <clears throat> so forgive me if I'm too verbose here. And if you have any things that you want to interject, feel free, Shu. Um, number seven is called the army, uh, the collective force, military virtues, discipline, self-discipline, honor, loyalty, integrity, um, the massing of force and the multitude. So some of the questions that we ask ourselves with number seven is what are you aiming for? How can you get more from your strengths with all of the efforts that you're making? Are you creating the life that you want? That's a good question to ask yourself. Um, the, the divination says the army needs perseverance and a strong leader, good fortune and no blame. So this to me is about mental discipline, getting organized, having clarity in your goals, having a plan and being prepared. Uh, I wrote down being the general of your own army you know, like it, you have to have a, a direction. If you want to continue to have success, you need to be able to um, get people on board with your vision. And I think that that's what a good leader can do. It doesn't have to be the general of an army. It could be a, a matriarch of a family. It could be any type of situation where you are responsible for other people. And the, I think the keys with that is inspiring people through, through consistency through sharing, sharing your concern for them, um, for, you know, good leaders are always thinking about how they can be of service of the people that they are leading. And this is something that I've had to learn as a Leo ascendant and finding myself in leadership positions actually quite often is that you're no good if you're only trying to serve yourself. You know, you really become powerful when you have something that is greater than yourself that you are, you know, inspired by. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We have a ch couple changing lines. Uh, line number two says, in the middle of the army, good fortune. Uh, there are the times the king bestows, three times the king bestows a decoration. So if you take care of your army and your resources and your supporters, and you establish healthy lines of communication, both, and this, this came up in my research, both with those that you lead and those that you report to. So we always have situations where someone has maybe more power or authority than us, and we have people that follow us. We, we both play both of those roles. Um, it's important that you, you have clear communication with all of those folks, uh, that you're flexible and diplomatic, and then you can share success with others. Like you can be of service to, to leaders and make yourself useful in situations that you may play the role of a subordinate, or you could have healthy leadership in situations where you're leading people 
through your through your authority type figure type stuff. Um, line number four says the army retreats no blame. Now this is interesting to me because I look at the I Ching, I read it from the bottom up. And I see it as like this story that we're going through. So we've got the army. We have this thing where we need to really have good communication with either our followers or our, our, our um, authority figures. And in this case, there may be something where we run against some kind of obstacle where we actually do need to leave something behind. And I, and I was thinking a lot about that moon and, you know, Aquarius, where we, we've been talking about the need to tie up a loose end. And you may run into a roadblock at, with this where, you know, this, the wise move might be to hold back and gather your strength for a more appropriate time if you face some kind of insurmountable obstacle. So really important not to fall into the old bad habits if you if you meet with some kind of obstacle, because we are going to see forward movement, but there may just be some final thing that you have to kind of figure out before you can take the leap. And then there's one more changing line, number six, that says the great ruler issues commands, establishes states, bestows feudal houses, inferior people should not be employed. So in the, my study of the I Ching Shu, they talk a lot about um, ancient Chinese civilization and the way it was organized. And we had these kind of places where we had a king and a ruler who would establish territory and then give authority to these feudal states. So a lot of the themes talk about that, that from that perspective. But what we can, if we want to modernize this, we can say that it's important not to rest on your laurels. Don't get complacent. Build on the recent victories that you have. If you've had some success, don't just be like, oh, I've got success. I can just, you know, go, go to the chill. beach. <laughs> like, so yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing with the issue. I know that you're a hard, hard worker. So you, you deserve oh, this. Goodness. You deserve this holiday. So don't listen to my mercurial messing with you. I'm just busting your chops. Okay. <laughs> like, you do need the retreat, right? You're, you're going to do this second line, but then when you get back home, you're going to be building that house again, right? <laughs> um, but, but don't be afraid to delegate authority if you need help, um, but only employ trustworthy helpers, I think is really important. Like if you're going to work with others on a team, make sure you know who you're working with and make sure that you can trust them because if you uh, get involved in situations that aren't in alignment with your integrity, that can lead to a, a quite a bit of problems. So show gratitude that, to those folks that have helped you, but also make sure that you are still maintaining your values as you move forward into this new experience. And then the final thing we have is number 35, which is, is called progress, advancement, recognition, proceeding forward. So we're moving, we're using the army to move forward. And the, the quote with this is the Marquis of the King is honored with horses, <laughs> I thought this was great because I pulled the horse with this, is honored with horses in great numbers. In a single day, he has granted audience three times. So if you can move forward with this army type of discipline, you will consolidate your opportunities and they will blossom into even more opportunities and things of that nature. But it takes hard work, it takes humility, it takes living in the moment, it takes being of service to your community and then you will you know be able to multiply those opportunities right those relationships we saw in the horse 
you know, that loyalty and friendship is really important. So, you know, by having these horses in great numbers, you may find yourself with a great amount of relationships. I know that one of the things that I've been experiencing lately is um, many people have been asking me to make appearances on their channels, which is really cool. I love doing that. And if you're out there and you're an astrologer and you need a guest, I'm more than happy to show up and, and be on the show. Um, but I think it's all about like, again, lifting each other up and sharing in this good fortune that we're trying to create um, and realizing that, again, when, when one of us succeeds, we can make that a success for all of us and share that, that bounty of goodness, right? Mm, it's interesting that the army analogy was used too for this divination because that's very Mercury-Mars to be yeah. together. You know, it's like this strategy, military strategy kind of thing, like the art of war you know, that kind right. of um, flavor. Absolutely. Yeah, having a, a military strategy, um, Virgo loves to organize and to plan. So <laughs> it's, time to, right. it's time to make a plan. It's time to get efficient and to focus. And uh, if you know where you're going, but also can pay attention to what is immediately in front of your face, you, will, you I think the combination of those two things will help create success. Yeah. All right. I think that's what we've got here. I'm just going through the chat real quick here. Victoria is saying hi to us. Hello, Victoria. Uh, hello. Laura says, Shu and Spencer, thank you all so, so much. Very helpful. Thank you, Laura, for being here. Thank you. Uh, Charity, Charity is saying, did you know that your birthday is the same as Coco Chanel? Well, there you go. Oh, I, wow. <laughs> I think that she's referring to Donna's birthday, but <laughs> we'll see. That's interesting. And uh, Tanya says that she wants to see Shu's paintings. I want to see your oh. paintings too, Shu. I know that I've seen one of them. You had some really amazing painting about the cosmic egg, right? And like the the spindle of necessity. Oh, uh, it was right? a it was a samadramanta, but that spindle one is actually in the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the samadramanta, the myth of Rahu and Ketu. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And you are a very talented painter, um, and I really like the ones that include your your sons as well. Um, oh, with, yeah, with that's the, a new series I'm working on. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a very, I'm very slow because I don't get much time to paint. But one day when I grow up, I want to be a painter. And hopefully... no, you're a painter. Shoot. You're a painter. <laughs> like, you're awesome. So do you have oh, your art you. up somewhere as well? Uh, they're all over the place. This is one of this is a sculpture that I did. Okay, hold on. Friend. I'm gonna stop my share so you, we can see it. This Ooh. is the sculpture that wow. we did in the walls of the render of like a uh, is that of, um is that one of the um aztec deities uh mayan, mayan. it's a mayan priest <laughs> yes. yeah so we just kind of the way that the wall kind of dried it oh, that kind of looks wow. like mayan. what is the material that we're looking at here it's a lime render it's we were rendering the wall anyway so wow. it just it's just we decided to me and Paul the renderer decided to muck around he's also a sculptor it was mainly his work I was his assistant wow it's yeah. so cool it's so cool Shu. um so, very this very is cool. why you take too long to build a house because I get distracted doing well you're just living a like you're just living a human life you know you got to have a little bit of play with your work you know it's a good good balance with that Libra Saturn you got there right yeah yeah so yeah well, this was a pleasure shoot, 
And thank you everyone in the chat for being here today. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Remember, there is a link in the beginning of this chat, and I will add it to the description of the video later, where you can sign up for Shoes class on Solar Returns. It's going to be starting on September 1st. You can use the coupon code SPENCER20 for $20 off up until the full moon. Um, and that will be a great thing and a great class. And I'm really excited for Shu and, and for all of you that are able to benefit from her wisdom. And sign up for the Deccans workshop on September the 4th, Saturday, 11 a.m. There is also a link in the chat uh, if you or on my website, spencermichaud.com, if you want to get more information about that. Um, we're going to do a deep dive into the Virgo Deccans, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. All right. So if you are uh, enjoying these videos, hit hit the like button. If you're not subscribed to the channel, subscribe and turn on your notification bells and all that jigsaw jazz and jamboree handouts. Visit Shoe at where Shoe? Where are we visiting? Inter Intercycle.com. I-N-T-E-R-P-S-Y-C-L-E. Intercycle.com. Uh, that's where you can find Shu. Book a reading with her. Um, check out her solar return stuff. She is active also on Instagram and has a cool Instagram feed. And uh, support um, your astrological community. All right. I think that's what I've got for everyone today. Thank you so much for being here. This is awesome. Thank you, Shu. And thank uh, you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I, hope to have you, I hope to have you back again, you know, whenever we for sure. you know, get on the, the horse again. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks, everyone. Anytime. Okay. Bye. -bye. See you later. See ya.